Church, would you stand up with me? Thank you. Oh my, it's good to see your faces. I'm taking you all in right now. <laughs> I've been out, I've been allowed out of the bunker. The lone survivor bunker, spiritual bunker. <laughs> I'm back. But you know what, it was worth it. It was worth it, it was worth it because whatever we need to do to keep the name of Jesus in front of us, in front of people, the kindness of God available to people, the love of Jesus within actual reach, whatever that takes, whatever sacrifice that means, we do it. Right, church? We learn to do it joyfully. We're learning, but may we learn well. And this morning we're going to sing a song that talks about fresh wind and how we need the fresh wind of God and how we want this breath of God amongst us and that we want to step into this awareness of God that we might not always have. It's not something normal. The song is talking about something abnormal, beautiful, but not always walked in. And you know, often when we sing songs like that, we sing them from this place of beauty. As if we see ourselves like hopping through beautiful fields and let the wind of God be at our backs and everything is wonderful. But if you would, I want you to imagine, use your senses this morning to see a landscape within which that spirit, that fresh wind is actually very necessary. Instead of seeing these wonderful green fields that we're just jumping through saying, yes, Lord, I want to feel you. Yes, Lord, I want to be with you. See a, see a barren land. See a worn, torn landscape. See a very dry and dark landscape. Hear the cries of people inside of that. Hear the lost cries inside of that. Hear the absence, church. We cannot be afraid of listening to the absence. We cannot be afraid of listening to the absence in our racial implosion, and we cannot be willing to hear the absence in this global implosion. We have to attune our ear. We have to attune our spirit, and we have to respond. So this morning, when we sing about this fresh wind, and this beautiful presence of God, we have to understand that we're asking that inside of a moment that is completely desolate and empty of him. So we will be the carriers of him. It's not just some beautiful experience. It is us being filled so we can go out strong in spirit, strong in heart, with compassion, and, and represent him as this world needs to see him. Not the broken version of him, the strong version, the beautiful version, the compassionate version. This is what we stir this morning. So when we come to this place to get refilled, because sometimes our spirits need to be refilled, don't refill just to recharge yourself. Make room in your spirit today so that what you take in of him is something you already plan to give out of him. God, I pray, Father, that you would increase our capacity not to receive just blessing, not to receive just overflow,
but to receive you so that we can give you away, God, that you would help us become strategic in how we represent you, Father, so that people come in contact with the purest form of you, the strongest form of you, the most loving form of you, the truthful form of you. So God, as we beg this morning, meaning making our requests known, we need a fresh wind. God, I pray that you would hear it from a people that understand that we need the intaking of you for, so that there can be an outgive, an outpouring of you from us. In your name, we call this next space holy. In your name, amen. Redeem 
fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out of us. Pour your spirit out. Oh, holy anointing, the fount of your presence. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, 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 move upon our praise. Sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing.
shall never end. Daddy, today we've come with that praise and that prayer on our lips. Pour your spirit out. Father, I know in the natural it makes people, so many of us, uncomfortable. I know it brings us to this place, Daddy, where we have to give up control and open our lives to you at a deeper level. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you pour yourself out on us today. Fresh and new. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh wind. We need signs and wonders, miracles, Lord God. We, we, need, we need your breakthrough in this world. We need a breakthrough in our marriages and our lives for our kids. We need a deeper revelation, Jesus, of you. Today I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be open, that we may see a deeper revelation of Jesus, that we may not rest and eat old manna that is maggoty, Lord God, that we may not just remember what you've done, but we actually know who you are today. Holy Spirit, come, I pray. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. Let your will be done. Church, can you just pray that with me? Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen and amen. If you believe that, can you give God some praise for who he is? He's worthy of it this morning. Lord God, we praise you. Oh, good morning, Connect Church. You stepped into something today. I don't know how you came today, but uh, you stepped into something today. Because that song is the prayer of God's heart. He wants to breathe a fresh wind. Like, we're not working against... Have you ever been in a conversation where you feel like you're working against the person? Like the person has a much different view than you are. You're trying to get them on your, oh, get them on your side. But you don't have to do that with daddy. The father wants to blow a fresh wind. He wants to drop the same spirit he dropped in Acts 2 when they were in a room like this together worshiping God, uncertain of their future. Come on, with oppression going on in their world, with fear and uncertainty, and he dropped the Holy Spirit and it game changer. Life took on a whole different meaning. Today I'm praying that for you. Pastor Danielle and I have been praying that for you this week. This song that we're singing today, not a mistake, God actually arranged that. So if you're here today, maybe for the first time or the second time, I want to thank you for coming in. I know what it takes to walk down that boardwalk, to come into a church, to come into a group of people you don't know. But thank you for being our guest today. We are really, really thankful you're here. 
we, uh, for us, church is family. This is about learning how to do life well together. And so we're going to get the chance to say hi to everybody in just a second. But I want to say hi to everybody who's online today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for hopping in, no matter where you are, in your living room or in a hospital room. Maybe you're on vacation. Thanks for joining in. You know, look, the same God that's in this room is the same God that's in your room. The same Holy Spirit that's here is the same Holy Spirit that's there. And he can do wonders. We have, we serve a miracle-working God. Do you believe that? We serve a miracle. Miracles were not for 2,000 years ago. They're for today. Our God is a miracle-working God. It's just who he is. Well, man, we love you guys. We're really glad you're here. Before you, as you're being seated, can you just turn to somebody, give them like a high five or a fist pump or an air high five or whatever you, you know, elbow bump. Just say hi. Introduce yourself. Talk for a moment. Get to know people. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rearrange your stuff for just a second, Pastor. Okay. I had the opportunity to encourage us in our giving this morning, and I have a prop because I taught children's ministry for years and years and years, and I learned that I learned that way, and I learned that a lot of people learn that way. Um, I'm a little bit out of breath because I just ran from back there. <laughs> That's a problem. It's like 10 steps. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So, so I'm a little bit of a plant guy. Um, if you take a look around the room, the plants in this room, it's my responsibility to keep them alive. Don't look too closely at all of them. Um, but this is one of my plants from home. And when I got this plant, like five, four years ago, it was this tall. So it was like this tall here. And it was growing really, really well, putting on all these leaves. I was like, this is great. It was so exciting, so fun to watch the plant grow. I'm like, this is great. I'm watering it. I'm fertilizing it. Everything's going great. And then I noticed that the plant stopped growing. And it stopped growing right here. I'm like trying to walk so you can see where my fingers are. It stopped growing right here. And I was like, what's going on? So it didn't grow from about October of 2020. Babe, what year did we move? 2021 until about August of 20. So about August of 2021, I'm sitting there going, oh boy, it's been a long time since this plant has grown. Something is wrong. And I looked in the soil and the roots were all, all over each other. It's like, what on earth? I have not been taking good care of this plant. I hadn't left enough room for it to grow. So I repotted it, and it shot these leaves out right away. Like within, I don't even know, three weeks or so, it shot out these leaves. And I don't know if you can see them. These leaves are a lot smaller than these leaves were. And I realized something, and I feel like it's cross-applicable to so many areas of our life, and our giving is one of them. I felt like the plant was looking good. When it was here, everything was all set. It had the beautiful leaves on it. It had some nice, like the fruit of it was looking good. But I hadn't left enough space. And it stunted the growth of the plant. 
And I believe that in our lives, God was talking to me about this, that there's times where we don't leave enough space for him in, our, in different areas. And we stay in our comfortable, smaller pot. And he's like, listen, you're stunting your growth here. If you've ever seen these fiddle leaf figs, they can get huge and they can get leaves like this big, like huge, huge, huge leaves. But sometimes we stunt our growth because we stay where we're comfortable. And I think in our finances in particular, it can be really easy sometimes to get comfortable with this is what I give. And not have the conversation with God of what's the space that I need to be leaving in this pot for me to grow better. What is God wanting to produce out of this? What is God wanting to produce in my finances? What is he wanting to produce in my household? And I just want to ask everyone to do one thing. I just want to ask you, when you go home today, ask him, Lord, is there space that you're asking me to make for you? That's it. I'm not telling you that you're not doing that. Okay? I know that I have not done that in certain areas in times and seasons in my life. But if we're not doing that, we're missing out on the growth that God wants to bring into our own lives as a result of it. So on, they're going to put this, the slide up in just a second. There's a lot of great ways that we can give. You can scan the QR code. By the way, that QR code has all the important links to everything for church life. There's also um, the kiosks on the way out the door. There's offering envelopes throughout the room. But I would just love to pray for us real quick. God, we thank you. We thank you for space. Lord, we ask that you would fill that space this morning. God, let us be men and women that hear you, that hear where you're asking us to create space, that hear where you're asking us to shift things in our lives, to make more space for you, to bring yourself into it, to speak into us. Yes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks, Pastor John. Really good. Love that. Thank you, by the way. Can we give Pastor John a hand for keeping all these things alive for the last year plus? It's a lot of work. It's a a lot of work. Um, And by the way, most of these, everything you see is is live, Um, not only because it's cool uh, and it's beautiful, but because it helps filter. It's an extra layer of filtration that we have given uh, even on top of everything else as well. And on top of that, let me just say this. We understand that there's been some mask changes in our world. Uh, we recognize that. We, we recognize uh, even here in New Jersey, which was one of the last states to do it. Um, but guys, we, we as a team, we're just going to give it a little time and navigate. Um, so uh, there are some of us who are comfortable not wearing masks and some of us who are comfortable, uh, wouldn't be comfortable not wearing masks. And so uh, for the next little bit, until we feel like we're ready, this is where it's going to be. So uh, thank you for being willing to wear a mask when the government says you didn't have to wear a mask. We didn't, by the way, if you were here, we didn't make the decision to, um, to stop church uh, in 2020. When the government did, we made it before that. So we have not been led by the government at any point in time. So I don't feel like we're going to be that now. We're going to be led by the Holy Ghost. So thank you for being patient if you uh, feel like... If you know me, you know I do not want to prep. Do I want to wear this mask and preach? No. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but I love you. And I love your kids. I love your families. Uh, and that's how we feel safe at the moment. So let me just say this as well. One last thing. Um, 
Uh, up on the screen, you're going to see the book that we're doing right now. This is Lent season, and I had someone ask me, like, isn't Lent a Catholic thing? No, Lent is a Christian thing. Lent is the 40 days, not counting Sundays, leading up to Easter. And it's historically just about preparing our hearts for Easter. And I know in our world, we've talked often about in our world how fast it is. Like, we get to Easter, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's Easter. It's, one of the, it's the most important day of the entire year for all of us. Yeah. And uh, this is just preparing our hearts. This book is fantastic, by the way. If you've been reading it, you know it's so good. Uh, and if you haven't, it doesn't matter. Jump in. Like, you don't even have to start at the beginning. If it's day seven, jump in day seven. It's all good. You can get a Kindle, audio, uh, audible books. I listen to it while I drive as well as I have it on Kindle. I have it both so I can take notes as well as listen to it all the time when I'm driving just to get it in me. Um, I think it's important. Whatever you, f I love what John just said. Whatever you feed grows, by the way. Right. Whatever you feed grows. Right. If all you're feeding into yourself is negative news, negative world, negative stuff, conspiracy theories, issues, complaints, that's what's, that's what's going to grow in your life. I don't know about you, but in this day and age, I need my faith to grow. So I've been listening to books on faith all the time, not books about faith, books on people who are living in faith. So that's what we're, that's what we're all about. Uh, and uh, hey, look, if you, are you guys ready? Are you ready for the word this morning? Because yeah. I'm ready. It's so good to have my wife back in the house. I love you, baby. It's so good to see you, at least from here down. I get to see her all the time without the mask, so uh, I'm, I'm blessed. It's a beautiful thing. Um, open with me, if you will, to the book of Esther, the book of Esther, chapter 4. Esther is the 17th book in the Old Testament. Um, it's kind of halfway through the Old Testament. Uh, you'll find it. And if you need a, a, a title for today's message, it's simply this. I didn't see that coming. I didn't. Anybody ever feel like you ever faced it? Like, I didn't even see that coming. Maybe, maybe you thought a friend was loyal and then you got backstabbed. Man, you didn't see it coming. Maybe you thought you, were, you went into work one day after years of being in this company and giving your life to it, and you walked into a pink slip. You didn't see it coming. Maybe as a kid, you came home from school one day, and one of your parents was gone. Still living with that pain. Didn't see it coming. Maybe you turn on the news, and you see world events around you, and you go, man, I, I didn't see that coming. I think probably all of us at one point in time or of our, another of our life, or maybe very often in our life, have felt like this moment, man, I just didn't see that coming. But that's why we need discernment. It's why we've been talking. We started to talk last week. If you missed last week, it's up online. You can always go see that. But that's why we talk about needing the Holy Spirit, needing the discernment that comes from God, because we need to be able to discern what God is doing in our life, what God is doing in the world in general. We need to be able to navigate the schemes and the plots of the enemy that he has against us in our life. Do you realize that the enemy's been scheming against you since before you were born? But here's the truth since he cannot rob your salvation, if you know Jesus, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life, the enemy can't rob your salvation, so he attempts to rob your hope. Hope, hope is key, central to faith. 
Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. When he can rob our hope, he can rob our faith. When he can rob our hope and our faith, he begins to rob our intimacy between God and ourselves. This walk of love, this passion inside of our hearts, as Jesus said last week, begins to grow cold. That's what we're in danger of. He robs and marginalizes, starts to marginalize and minimize how we see who is our neighbor. How we actually can feel like we can love our neighbor as ourselves. And his schemes are nothing new. They're as old as time itself. Fear. Worry. Manipulation. Offense. Shame. Public humiliation. Putting you out there on blast, by the way. Insecurity. These are well-oiled machines that he's been using over and over again with great success on both a micro level and a macro level. They affect us on our own small world and in the big world. And when they go unchecked, undiscerned, and unmoved against by the kingdom of God, they produce exactly what he wants them to produce in our lives. How many of us in those times have walked away with a heart so disheartened, saying, man, I, I didn't even see that coming. But what if you could? What if you could have a different type of vision? What if you could have vision like Superman's x-ray vision, right? Where you could see beyond the natural things, beyond what the natural eye could see. That's what discernment is. Discernment is the ability for you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to see beyond the natural into the supernatural movements of God, the supernatural movements of things around us. Why is that so important? So that we can choose to respond differently. We can choose to prepare differently. We can choose to pour things into our life differently. We can make sure that we navigate when there's distance between us and God. We can actually undermine the schemes and plans of the enemy and bring defeat to him. We can actually bring glory to God and join him where he's working. Because when we join him where, we, well, where he's working, no matter the scheme of the enemy... To disconnect us, we become even more intimately connected with the God of heaven. That's why, my friends, that's why God, that's why Jesus left us his word. He gave us his word because it's a lamp and a light. It helps us to see ourselves and understand who we are, where we're going. The word is essential for discernment in our life. It's why he opened up a direct line of communication to heaven itself. We don't have to go through saints. We don't have to go through someone else. An intermediary. There's one mediator between God and man, the Lord Christ Jesus. That's it. Man, he opened up a direct communication between you and him. Why? Because prayer allows us to understand what God is saying. We can hear the voice of God. We can actually talk to him. We can boldly go before the throne. It brings peace into my life. And that's why he fills us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, come on church, is not a Pentecostal thing. It's a Jesus thing. He said in John 16, 13, I will leave my spirit, and when I do, he will lead you into all truth. Somebody say all. All, all means everything. all, everything. And he will help you to understand the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is what we need in these coming days and in our life so we understand our world. We need discernment. That's what we're going to see in this text. Because in this text, we're going to look at 
uh, how this, the bride of the king, this beauty queen called Esther, because that's how she won. She won a beauty contest. You can read about it earlier in the text. But she recently had found blessing. Recently come into this place of favor. She steps, steps into opulence where her whole situation has changed for the good, or so at least she believes it's for the good. And I believe everyone else does around her. Oh, man, everything must be good now. But behind the scenes, unseen by the natural eye, the enemy, Haman, is plotting and scheming for her downfall, and not only for her downfall, but for everybody she loves. The enemy is coming for you, but he's not just coming to rob you. He's coming to rob everybody you love, everyone God has connected to you. That's why she needed a voice. She needed a voice to help her discern. She needed a counselor who saw things she didn't see. She needed Mordecai. You and I need a Mordecai in our life. We need a voice, come on somebody, that's not our own in our own head. That's not the way we were raised, not the dysfunction of our past, not the pain of our victimization. Come on somebody, we need a different voice. We need a different counselor who sees things we don't. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our life and thank God he gives it. We're not asking for something he doesn't want to give. But we cannot have discernment without him. Because discernment is a gift from him. It's what he brings because it's who he is. Let's look at this text in verse 13, maybe, of chapter 4. You can see in this, you may know this text a little bit, but it says, And Mordecai, and Mordecai, and Mordecai told uh, them to answer Esther this way. Esther, don't think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. Look, God wants to use you, but he doesn't need to. God, come on, God wants to use you. He doesn't need to. He's saying, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, church, I know if you've grown up in the church world at all or been in church for any sort of time, you've probably heard a bazillion sermons on for such a time as this. Right? But it's true. You have come to this time period, to this day and age, to your marketplace, to your community, to the family you're in, to this house that you're in today. For such a time as this, God didn't wake up this morning and go, I didn't know Ron was going to be here. He positions you and shaped you on purpose. It's true. But there are things that led up to this for such a time as this moment that enabled her to step into it. And that's often where we go and we miss the step because we hear that we've been born for such a time as this. And then we think we have to make all the decisions how to do that ourselves. We miss the steps that led up to this. We missed the steps that helped her discern the what and how and when and why behind it all. Discernment. I think if we're honest, one of the first obstacles very often to our discernment is that blessing often leads to blindness. Okay. I'll say that again. Okay. Blessing often leads to blindness. That's usually not something you get an amen for. Right? right. right? That's not a, hey man, pastor, preach that. 
But there's a saying in the sports world and in the business world alike that success covers over a multitude of mistakes. That the more successful we are, the more wins we have on the field, the more wins we have in the business world, in the church world, the language would be the more blessed that we are, the more mistakes, the more small things that we become blind to in our own life. It comes with a certain level of blindness. Now, come on, church, we know this as Americans. Just simply as Americans, we have a certain level of blindness because we have a certain level of security. We live in a certain level of wealth. Now, you can say, Pastor, I'm not wealthy. Well, maybe not in comparison to people in your own culture, but in comparison to the world, you are. We have, because of this, as Americans, this belief that this could never happen to me. This certainly could never happen to us. We look at people who are losing their house and we say, that could never happen to me. But statistics say that every Ameri- most Americans are three paychecks away from losing their house. We look at things that are going on in places like Kiev where they're losing their heat and losing their electricity and, and, and not having enough food. And we say, that could never happen to us here. Not realizing that we're just a few computer hacks yeah. away from not having any of that. We think we've been lulled to sleep to believe that this could never happen to us. And have you ever wondered how that might, have you wondered how that might affect and influence your faith? Just being an American, growing up in America, growing up around other Americans, you have this thought process that comes at you in every way from every news agency, from just the ego and pride of living in this country. This could never happen to people like us. Have you ever wondered why and that maybe it could influence your faith? How you and I see our need for discernment in this world? It's not just us. It's happened from the beginning. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, we looked at last week, verse 38. He said all the way back when Noah was there. In the time of Noah, they were eating and drinking. They were partying, man. They were marrying. They were having a great time until the flood came and took them all away. It's not that they couldn't have discerned that there was a need. They just didn't because they were feeling blessed. Noah had been building an ark for 100 years. The signs were all around them. They just didn't feel the need to discern. It can not only happen in the general world, it happens in the spiritual world, in the church world. Jesus was walking with a bunch of really good, what we would call churchgoers. They were called Pharisees. And they believed that their self-righteous lifestyle the way that they acted would bring enough blessing to them that they were good. But they were in living in that blessing so much, they missed Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Right. So much so that Jesus says in Matthew 23, 27, man, you're whitewashed tombs. You're pretty on the outside. You got lots of blessing. But it has caused you to be blind about what's really in your heart. They were so blinded by what they perceived as their blessing They couldn't perceive, discern, Jesus, the Messiah, was standing in front of them. My friends, could it be that blessing blinds us? Could this be maybe why Jesus said in Matthew 19, 24, this famous verse that many of us know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven? Could it be that blessings blind us? From the need to discern the life that we could have around us? I think if we're not careful, 
Blessings can create a buffer that blind us to the necessity of discernment. We can't see the forest for all the trees. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we know that there theoretically is a possibility that something may happen to us. But certainly there's not a probability. I mean, Pastor, that stuff doesn't happen. Like, that won't happen in my marriage. That, That doesn't happen in my life. That type of stuff doesn't happen in my type of family. And we begin to say, look at the level of probability. But here's the problem with that. Our level of probability always determines the level of discernment we feel is required to have success. Our level of probability determines the level of discernment we feel we need to have success. Let me give you an example of that. If I was to say to you that your life was dependent on you passing a kindergarten math test, I think probably most of us would feel pretty good about that. I don't think we'd really have to ask a whole lot of people for help. Danielle, we wouldn't need to start a study group. We'd be all right, right? I mean, I think if our life depended on having to pass a kindergarten math test, most of us, we'd be good. Probability pretty high. But if mine, how about if our life depended on passing a college exam for advanced algorithms? I don't even know what that is. But they got classes on it. If your life depended on you having to pass a class... Uh, exam on advanced algorithms, boy, you'd be Googling, you'd be downloading, you'd be phoning a friend. Come on, somebody. You'd be doing everything you could to get a different perspective, to get a different download into your life. Now, I don't know about you. If all you got is some kindergarten type of problems in your life, then maybe all you need is a little kindergarten discernment. But I don't know about you, but my life has some advanced algorithm type of issues. My world's got some advanced algorithm type of problems. I need an advanced algorithm counselor because I can't, I got to know what I don't know and I don't know. The problem is we don't even know that we don't know because we got it all figured out because we're sitting in church. After all, we're at least saved. Hey, way to work from the lowest common denominator. Jesus actually comes to a church in Revelation chapter 3. It's the church of Laodicea. It's a church going through end time issues. A church that was being lulled to sleep to be lukewarm. And he says this. This is what Jesus says to the church. You say, I'm rich. I have prospered. I've been blessed. And I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He doesn't say that they're lost people. He's saying that to the people in the house of God. He's saying, man, you have confused blessing. You have been so blessed that you have become blind to the true state of your own being. And I think this is, a, is problematic in American, in modern American Christianity, I think, for two reasons. First and foremost, like we already said, America lives in such a sense and state of security in and of itself that we as a church have been lulled to sleep spiritually. We think we're good. But we've also been taught in modern Christianity that, the, that, the, that prosperity is the goal of Christianity. That godliness will lead you to great gain in your life. Now, I, I want to I get something straight. I believe Psalm 35, 27. I believe that God 
delights in the prosperity of his children. I believe God loves to pour out his blessings to his kids. I believe my God is a good God. The issue is not the blessing. The issue is what we allow the blessing to speak to our hearts. What we allow the blessing to speak to us and about us rather than what it should speak about God and why he blessed us. We begin to go, man, I must be really good. God must be really happy with me. I must be really walking right. I must be real. Look what God gave me. Rather than understanding, it's not your goodness, it's his goodness. It was poured out on reason for a purpose. Why did he pour it out? I think the real problem is when when blessing becomes the means to our contentment rather than the provision for our assignment. When we look at it that way, we get in trouble. We've been talking about this tension that happens between a believer and a disciple. and We've been trying to encourage you to step into being a disciple. I believe in this context, a believer allows the blessing to define their contentment. The more blessed they are, the happier they are. I must be good. I must be okay. I must be valuable. I must be happy because when I get blessed, I'm happy. The problem is you and I live in a constant state of comparison. So the moment we feel happy and blessed, we turn on Instagram or or Facebook, social media, and see somebody else having a better life, a bigger life, uh, a life that you really wish you had, a marriage you wish you had, a boat you wish you had, a vacation you wish you were going on, and we begin to feel unhappy because we're not blessed. And blessing then becomes the drug to our happiness fix. I've got to get more blessed so I can be more happy. But here's the problem. Because we live in comparison, we'll never be content, even though that's our means to contentment. Where a disciple doesn't view the blessing as a, to allow it to define their contentment. They allow it to define their purpose. My blessing defines my purpose. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 12, in the covenant of Abraham, the covenant that we came from, this covenant of faith, where we come from, God lays it out the very first time. He says, this is what I want you to know my my covenant's about. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you can bless people. How many of us know that Abraham wasn't always happy? Wasn't always good. But the covenant was about being blessed, come on somebody, to define his purpose, not his contentment. To bless people. Jesus defines it this way in Luke 12, 48. He said, look, to whom much is given, much is required. For you and I who know Jesus Christ, man, a lot has been downloaded from heaven to us. We've been blessed, not because for our goodness, but we've been blessed to be a goodness to the world. There's an assignment attached to the blessing we receive. That's why I love Ephesians 2.10. Because Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, you've been saved by grace through faith, apart from any work, lest you should boast. But he says, look, I want you to understand grace, you've received grace. So that you can do works that have been assigned to the blessing. There's a purpose behind the blessing I've given you. There's a work attached to it. And when we we live out our purpose, we will be content. Paul says, man, I know what it's like to be in plenty and in want, to be in prison and to be free, to be all these things, but I'm content in everything. I'm living out my purpose. Ain't happy with everything, but content in everything. I was watching Pastor Rick yesterday out my office window at my house. And in our town yesterday, we had a big kind of shindig on the street. And Pastor Rick got out uh, his, his, uh, his little 
card table and he put it up on the street corner, put it out there in front of his house. He put out some candy, put out the books that he's written about how to come to Jesus Christ. And he sat out there for seven hours in the cold talking to everybody about Jesus. Everyone, male, female, young, old, parent, teen, just talking to them, leading them to Jesus. He understood the blessing that he received in the house, positioned him to live out his purpose at a higher level. See, that, the, the, the blessing gave framework, come on somebody, to the purpose of his life. That's where contentment is. But the reality is if we're not careful, we're, we live in blindness. Blindness leaves the enemy undetected in our lives. Israel had just had a queen come from its ranks. How they must have felt so blessed, so protected, like nothing could touch them now. We have friends in high places. Esther was surrounded by unspeakable wealth, protected by the best trained soldiers in the world. She had favor with the king. But Haman, but Haman, the enemy, was working behind the scenes. Do you know what Haman means? Haman means the one who rages against. My friends, we've got somebody. We've got an enemy that rages against all of heaven and rages against all of heaven that's inside of you. He is raging against it. Jesus said he ain't playing around. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy everything you've got. Did you notice, though, it wasn't until she became queen that he started to plot against her. It wasn't until she received her blessing that then the enemy rose up and said, oh, I'm about to knock her off. See, my friends, the enemy works within the blind spots. Often we can allow blessing and spiritual success prosperity to cover up the underlying issues of our life. We're going so well, it's going so good that we allow the little things to go unfixed. And those things are the things that create blind spots in our life. Because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to go, Psst. yeah, but you forgot about this. Right. No, no, I'm good. I've forgiven. No, 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 no. No, you haven't. How about this? No, no, I'm not offended. No, 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 no. How about this? And those blind spots are the things that give the enemy an arena to work within, unseen and undetected, in the midst of our blessing. I'm not saying that you're not blessed. I'm saying in the midst of our blessing, without discernment, we're in trouble. Paul says in Ephesians 4.27, to a church that was blessed, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't even give him the smallest little foothold, crack in your, in, in your foundation. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, says in Solomon 2, verse 15, he says, Catch the little foxes that are running amongst the vineyard while it's in bloom. That means while your life is fruitful, when things are going good, you've got to be discerning what are the foxes. Sometimes the problem in our life is we will never catch what we do not discern as a fox. And we will never look for a foothold when we feel like we're secure on the mountaintop already. My life is good. The truth is, my friends, that Haman was not intimidated by her position. He was not reduced by the favor that was on her life. But because of it, he tried to undermine, backstab, and manipulate all the things that she could not see to take her out from the inside. 
He used people she knew and people she didn't know to undermine her life. Do you know, in the chapter after this, it says that he created gallows to hang her on and, and Mordecai on, 75 feet high. He was, doing, he was doing something in private to take her out in public. How many of us are allowing things, come on somebody, that we do in private? The enemy is working on everything you are giving him in private, and he's going to bring it out in public. Why? Because in the chapter before this, his plan was already laid out. In chapter 3 it says, because he's coming for all her possessions and all the possessions of her people. The enemy wants to rob everything and everyone you've got. Your hope, your kids, your family, your marketplace, your neighborhood, this house, your future, and this world. He ain't messing around. Danielle and I were watching the other day this documentary called The Tinder Swindler. I didn't even know what Tinder was. I had to Google it. But there was this dude on Tinder who was pretending to be someone he wasn't. And he was swindling all these girls, all these young ladies, all around the world. I mean, not just one or two, a ton of them. And he was swindling them of, I'm talking about tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands of dollars at the time. And he was doing it because he was putting them on private jets. He was feeding them champagne, taking them to all the best parties. Come on, it looked like blessing. It looked like they had stepped into all of it. But behind the scenes, he was robbing them of everything they had. And they didn't know it until after they were robbed. They didn't know it until somebody, some of their friends, some of their family members started Googling this guy. And they found out that he was a con man. He was a thief. And they brought it to their attention. See, sometimes you and I are so blinded by the champagne dreams, come on somebody, and caviar wishes of a Christian life that we don't see the enemy is actually in disguise robbing us because we don't have anybody Googling it. We don't have the other voice. That's why we need Mordecai. We need a voice of discernment. Mordecai, my friends, in this text is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us. He speaks to the bride. He brings protection and direction. He gives wisdom. He gives eyes to see what the enemy is doing in the unseen. Mordecai helped give a framework to the favor that was on Esther's life. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So that we can have a framework for the favor that is on your life. You are highly favored by God. You do walk in the favor of the king. You are in opulence spiritually. You are protected by the best soldiers ever trained. The angels of God. Come on, the mighty warrior dressed for battle. You are protected by it all. But there's a Haman working against you. The Spirit gives framework for the favor on our life. And we don't have to guess at it. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, Paul says, look, all these things God has revealed to you through the Spirit who even searches the deep things of God. Man, when we can't figure it out, we've got a voice that understands the deepest things of God and how they apply to your life. And he ain't holding it back if we ask. If you've been reading this book, uh, Where Faith is Forbidden, on day three there's this story about a Muslim man by the name of Muhammad who before, ten years before this moment, he had been living in Mosul, Iraq, as a Sunni, as a devout Sunni Muslim. 
But 10 years before, he had this dream where Jesus shows up to him, lets him know who he is. He wakes up from this dream and gives his heart to Jesus. His devout Muslim wife was incensed. She couldn't believe it. Until three months later, she had the same dream and came to Jesus. It didn't bring them ease, as you can imagine, being Christians outspoken in a Muslim world that was burned their house down, looking to destroy them. ISIS came into the picture, drove them from their house. They ended up in a refugee camp. But because on their paperwork it still said Sunni Muslim, they were placed in the Sunni Muslim section. They were given two tents for five people, two little tents. They decided, they understood, they understood the assignment on their life. They said, we're going to put every one of our, us and our three kids in this little tent. We're going to say, keep the second tent for prayer and to talk to people about Jesus. Before long, they had led two other families to Jesus Christ. Not only did they need that prayer, uh, that tent for prayer, but they needed it for Bible study, for worship in the midst of it all. See, what had happened 10 years before, what it, the revelation that happened 10 years before, the Holy Spirit led them to this place where it gave them understanding for the assignment in their life. Right. Framework. Right. Why did I have that dream? Because I was going to be placed in this refugee camp. Because the only hope that these people who are in this camp would have couldn't be found in what they, how they had come. Could only be found in Jesus. I have to be strategically planted. I'm not only going to be planted here, I'm going to understand the purpose of why I'm planted here. For such a time as this. Mordecai, my friends, brought the bride discernment by giving framework to her favor. By revealing the scheme of the enemy that she couldn't see coming. And brought wisdom with the word. He brought a word that brought wisdom. And gave her the opportunity to respond. To go to the king. I just want to say this. Discernment will always lead you to the king. Discernment is not about what you can do better. Discernment is about what the king is trying to do in your life and around your life. It will lead you to him. It's not just revealing that there's a problem. It's connecting you to the answer that is Jesus Christ. That's why I love what it says in the next chapter, in verse, uh, verse 2 of chapter 5. It says, when she heard what Mordecai said, she went in to see the king, positioned herself well. And when he saw her, he had favor on her and drew her near. Mordecai restored the intimacy that the enemy was trying to destroy. Mordecai restored the intimacy that the enemy was trying to destroy. Yeah. It's what discernment can do in our lives when worry and stress and offense and disillusionment with God pushes us away, keeps distance when guilt and shame creates distance between me and God. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, come on. I need you to discern that we can close this gap because I'm going to bring it to the king. And when he sees you, he has favor on you. He'll draw you near. Too many of us as Christians are living on the outside. Come on, looking in. When Jesus is trying to draw near to our hearts. Not so that we can be better people, but so that we can know him better as a person. Jesus Christ, the king. The reality is, my friends, when she acted on the word, 
and talk to the king about the enemy. Chapter 7 says what the enemy planned to happen to her happened to him. He was hung on the gallows he meant for her, Mordecai. This is how we can say no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It's not quoting a verse that makes no weapon succeed. It's responding to the word and going to the king that lets no weapon succeed. Come on, the Holy Spirit, I was saying to Dee yesterday, the Holy Spirit's like Toto in The Wizard of Oz. The Holy Spirit pulls back the curtain so that you and I can see the man behind the curtain trying to pull the levers of offense and worry and hatred and fear and, dis- uh, and, 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 and discouragement and depression and trying to believe that that actually separates you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It is a man behind the curtain. The Oz, the wizard, is not real. The enemy cannot defeat you when you act on the word, when you respond to the king, when you talk to him about the enemy and allow him to deal with it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be baptized in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit because we leak, the Bible says. It says we've got to keep being filled with the Spirit because we leak. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, uh, the Word says in Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. I'm almost done. Pastor Ron, you can come. uh, Sees the Holy Spirit coming. I'm sorry. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. It says, I'm going to baptize you with water, but that one right there, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a charismatic thing. It is not a Pentecostal thing. It is a Jesus thing. In all four chapters, in all four Gospels, this truth is proclaimed. The same truth that said Jesus died on the cross, the same Gospels that said Jesus rose from the dead, is the same Gospels that said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All four chapters talk about what the Spirit of God will do in our lives to bring us, to close the gap between us. It will immerse us in who He is. And then this promise happens to the church at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the wind blows and the fire falls and it falls on every man and woman. It doesn't say that they were worthy. It doesn't say that they were good enough. It says they were in the house of God. They were worshiping God. And God, the promise, showed up. And they walked out of that place different, man. People thought they were drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm so changed. The difference you see in me isn't from the enemy's world. It's from the king's world. They didn't understand that Peter stood up and said, you shouldn't be surprised, folks. This is what God has been talking about through the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that says, in the end time, which started when Jesus came, I will pour out my spirit on some flesh, on good enough flesh, on people who have tithed, people who are serving in kids, just people on the worship team, just pastors. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Men and women will prophesy, rise up and understand the things of God. Because I've got a world to change. We've got to discern the favor gives us framework. Paul goes, uh, Peter goes on in verse 39 to say this. This promise here that you're receiving, says it to the crowd, isn't for just you. It's for your children and for all those who are yet to come afar off. Everybody that God will call. Come on, if you know Jesus, you've been called. That word far off in the Greek doesn't mean distance. It means time and space. 
What, what Paul, Peter is saying is that the promise of the Holy Ghost is for everybody in time and space who has yet to come to Jesus. Because God knows we need discernment. He knows he has, we live in his favor. He knows we're surrounded, surrounded by the best soldiers. He knows that we live in the wealth of opulence of his blessings. But he also knows there's a Haman out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why, my friends, we've got to stop ignoring the nudge of the Holy Ghost. I was saying to Forge just the other day, <laughs> maybe you're like me. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in the grocery store and I'll be walking by the milk aisle and I'll, feel, I'll hear this voice inside of me say, you need milk. And I'll be like, no, I don't. I looked before I left. I got milk in the refrigerator. Nope, you need milk. No, I'm good. I checked. I got milk. You need milk. No, I'm good. How many of you know I don't listen? I don't buy it. And when I go home, the milk's expired. Come on. It's just true. Now, that may not be a big deal when we're only dealing with milk. But how about when we're dealing with your kid's future? How about when we're dealing with your coworker's salvation? How about when we're dealing with your neighbor's state of life? I want us to be church, connect church, and this is God's heart to you as well. I want us to be like Solomon, who could have had anything in the world. And do you know what he asked for in 1 Kings 3.9? He said, God, give me a heart to discern. I need your discernment in my life. Why? So I can lead. I can lead. Yeah, but pastor, he got all these other great things. He's the richest man. He was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know why? Because he said, God, the one thing I want above everything else I gotta, I gotta learn how to discern. I gotta see beyond the natural. I gotta understand the plan of the enemy against my people. I gotta understand why you're blessing me and how you've positioned me so that I can lead my family and I can lead my friends. I can lead my coworkers. I can, I can lead my neighborhood. I can lead in the house of God. I, I can lead in my world. I don't wanna react and respond, I wanna lead. I want to be the head that we've been prophesied to be, not actually be the tail. I don't want to slither through life. I want to lead people to the king in the midst of life. The truth is, my, we need discernment. We need to be able to discern the moments of the seasons so that we can redeem the time that we've got. It all comes with the Holy Spirit. We need a Mordecai. We need a Mordecai. We need a Mordecai. You've been saved. If you know Jesus, you've been saved. If you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven. If you've opened up your heart to him, you stand in the midst of his palace, blessed and highly favored by the king. But until we step through that veil, until your friends step through that veil, until our king puts his feet back on the mountaintops again, we've got an enemy behind the scenes trying to take you out. You'll never figure it out in your own mind. You've got advanced algorithm problems. We're trying to live life, come on, with kindergarten discernment. We need the Holy Spirit. Good news, and with this we're ending. Jesus said in John 7, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. And I will give you water 
living water that will pour up from inside of you, out of you, into the world around you. John said of that, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. If anyone is thirsty, Christian, aren't you tired of living like we're living in the middle of a desert without water? Aren't you tired of reading about how we can be content, fulfilled, live at peace, but never feeling that? Aren't we tired of just living on the saliva that comes in our mouth rather than the living water that flows from our belly? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me to drink, and I will give him streams of living water. It's not a Pentecostal thing. and a charismatic thing. This is a Jesus thing. We're just going to pray. We got to stand with me right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to sing this worship through this song one last time. But my prayer is that you actually let that song, this worship, be your prayer. At the end of the song, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit drops on this room like never before. That the Holy Spirit moves in power and in strength because that's what he desires. My king wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. My friends, I'm not asking you to take my word for it. Because I'm just a man. I make mistakes. But the same Jesus that died on the cross, if we believe that, the same Jesus that rose from the dead, if we believe that, is the same Jesus that promised you in the 21st century, in 2022, to give you what he bought on that cross and what empowered his resurrection, which is the Holy Spirit of God. So can we just lift up our hands and lift up our hearts today? Lift up our voices. And if you need a fresh wind, if you need a fresh wind, if you need a fresh breath of heaven, come on, pour your spirit out, God. Pour your spirit out. Come on, we hear the sound of heaven. Pour your spirit out, Lord God. Pour it out on us. Pour it out. We need you. God, I need you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I need you. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, hear this. Hear this. Let this praise be unto your people, Lord God. Let this praise be from your people to you. Spirit, sound, rushing wind, fire of God, fall within. Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent and turn from sin, revival embers smoldering, breath of God, fan us into flame. Cause we need a fresh wind. 
the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out we raise you vessels lord we wait you filling god make us new make us more like you from hearts that burn with holy fear purify faith and deed refiner's fire strengthen what remains so we your church who bear your light the lamp of flame city bright king and kingdom come is what we pray cause we need a fresh wind the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out a holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out pour your spirit out pour your spirit out Glory over us, glory, glory, 
If you're thirsty, ask and I'll fill you up. Just say, I receive it. You can just say, I receive it today. You can just say, I receive the, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I receive it. I grew up in a, in a religious world where the Holy Spirit was part of the creed, but not part of the real life. But I thank God that I, I have a Savior that doesn't live inside a creed. He lives inside my life. I receive it today. Holy Spirit, I receive a fresh wind from you. I receive a fresh voice from you. All that I am, Jesus, I surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come on, church, everything I am, I surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive it today. Help me in my unbelief, Lord God. Help me in my fear. Thank you for the greatness of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love that pours in freely into my life. Thank you that I can understand new truth and I can see you with new eyes. Holy Spirit, I pray this week for each and every person in this room, everybody who's watching online. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, that you continue to give a fresh wind. I'm talking about when they're in the shower, a fresh wind. When they get in the car, there's a fresh wind. When they stop at Starbucks, there's a fresh wind, Lord God. Uh, well, when, they get, when they get home after a hard day's work, there's a fresh wind before they see their kids. There's a fresh wind. When they come to the Word and open it up, there's a fresh wind of revelation. When they begin to pray, new tongues come out. There's a fresh wind, holy God. When they receive the blessing you're going to give them this week, that there's a fresh wind of revelation that comes along with it to understand the assignment. Holy Spirit, come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will in this area be done, Jesus, in our lives, in this church. Daddy, I'm not interested in a charismatic church. I'm not interested in a Pentecostal church. I'm not interested in a cool church. I'm not interested in a successful church. I need a spirit-led church. I need a spirit-filled church. We need a spirit-discerning people, Lord God. And we can't do it alone. We repent. We need you. We need you. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. And if you receive it, can you say amen with me? I receive it. Amen and amen and amen. Give God some glory. If you've received something today, give God some glory. He is willing to pour it out. Hallelujah. What a great God. Woo. Hey, church, we just got one more thing really, really quickly. I got just two things I need to say. After service, if you receive something or you want to receive uh, more or you don't really understand everything that you've received, Pastor Irene and Pastor Ron, they're going to be down front. Just come and talk to them. Pastor John might be able to join them as well. Just come and talk to them. If you don't really understand all the scripture uh, behind what I talked about today, the baptism of the Spirit in Forged, we're going to be talking about it this week. We're going to make, I taught on this about a year and a half ago. We're going to make it available, that teaching, on our YouTube account. You can go there, check it out. As I said, don't believe me. You don't have to believe me. Take my word for it. I didn't. I didn't for a long time until I started looking at the Word. And the Word 
The Word said, the Word said, the Word said, the Word said, the Word said. I had to come to a reality that I either believed the Word or I didn't. When I surrendered to it, my entire life changed. Man, stuff I used to struggle with, psh, set free. Didn't mean I was free from everything. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you want to know more about the Savior we talked about, this is Pastor Rick and Kathy over here. They've got Love to Meet You, Talk to You just for a few minutes after service. They've got some of those books I told you about they want to give you. But I'm going to ask you to do one last thing before we leave today. I'm wearing these colors on purpose today. Because for me, Kiev isn't a place on a map. There are people that I love. I know people there. I've preached there so many times. I've taught in Bible schools there in Moscow in orphanages. Their faces to me. They mean something. We've been in contact since this war began with our pastor friends who pastored there for 20 some odd years. And because of your previous generosity in this church, we were able to send them a gift. It was a small gift this week. But your small gift this week enabled four families that were in refugee camps, four moms, 16 people, 12 kids, to be able to be relocated out of those places into homes in Germany, into homes in Poland. They were, they're, they're safe. Not only were we able to work with people in the refugee camps, the displacement camps, but we were able to give 25 families still caught inside, still caught inside of Ukraine, money and resource so that they had money in their hands to be able to get what little things they could. For me, prayer works, but prayer's not enough. Oh, prayer's going to change the heavenlies. Spiritual warfare is going to tear down things you and I will never be able to do on our own. But it takes money to feed people. And so today, we're asking you if you'd be willing to give it an offering to missions. And everything today that you give to missions is actually going to go to Ukraine. Hopefully we'll be able to not just do... Four, four families and 12 kids, but working through the churches we have to get people into safety because even if this war is over soon, which I don't think it will be, the wholeness and health of people is going to be a long time coming. And so I know Pastor John already told you you could give the ways to give that. Those are on the screen. But you'll come to a place if you're giving online, it'll say choose. So you can, hopefully you'll choose to give. Please give to your tithe and offering goes to the house. But when you choose also below that mission today, it's going to go to Kiev. It's going to go to Ukraine. My God's evil. Church, we've got to pray for Ukraine and we've got to pray for Russia because we've got brothers and sisters on both sides of that fence. We got people being squeezed and persecuted on both sides. And we got to believe that the kingdom of God will reign in the end. But you've been given a blessing for a reason today. Feel no obligation to give. We just want to give you an opportunity. 
Can I just pray? Can we pray together for Ukraine? If you feel comfortable, will you, can you just stick out a hand towards me? We're just going to touch things in agreement in heavenly places. The Bible says we're to touch anything in heaven. On earth it will be done by the Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus. Daddy, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. We pray for those we know and we don't, Lord God. Father, we pray for those in harm's way and those in, 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 in displacement camps, those who are refugees across the border, those who have been displaced into other countries. We pray for those soldiers that are standing uh, in the gap for those uh, innocent men and women in that country. We pray right now for your Holy Spirit to go, to minister to them, to bring hope and wholeness, Lord God. Where there's sickness, bring health, Lord God. Where there's discouragement, bring hope, Lord God. Where there's worry, bring peace and the name of Jesus. We speak peace into the supernatural. Lord God, we come against every principality and power in high places that are trying to rule over that country. And in the name of Jesus, we tear them down. We say they have no place. We say that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords over every area and step and ground of Kiev, of the Ukraine, in the name of Jesus. We pray for our brothers and sisters caught in harm's way. On the other side as well, for those being crushed and persecuted in Russia today, for those who are hungry on that side as well, because we see clearly, Lord God, we see clearly the schemes of the enemy. We call them out in the name of Jesus. We pray for revival. I pray that what the enemy meant for bad, come on, Daddy, what the enemy meant for bad, you will redeem for the good. Come on, Haman was hung on the same gallows he meant for your people. I pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy will be destroyed, Lord God, that the enemy of evil and hatred and genocide will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. And what the enemy meant for bad, my God will redeem. We give you the glory the honor, and the praise. We love you. We stand with you. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Church, look, we love you. Thank you for being with us today. Give the Holy Spirit room this week. Every morning, just rise up. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Jesus, thank you. Let your praise lead the way. When your praise leads the way, the Holy Spirit always follows. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you for giving to Ukraine as well.